Welcome back to the Better Man, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb, and welcome to episode five with Chuck Box. Coach Chuck Box is from uh, Flowwood, Mississippi. He's the head coach at Hartfield Academy. I had the pleasure of getting to meet Coach Box after listening to him on Jeremy Sheetinger's podcast, Dugout Chatter. And if you have not subscribed to that podcast, I would highly recommend it. You get unbelievable coaches just like Chuck. And what's great about baseball and our game is that most of these guys are so willing to share. Coach Box has coached for over 30 years. He's got 700 wins. He um, he spent 10 years uh, at Jackson Prep in Mississippi, where he turned that program around as well. He spent 11 years as a college head coach from Freed Hardman University and at Dewamba Community College and combined 363 wins there. He was inducted into the Freed Hardman Hall of Fame in 2010. He's had 13 players selected to play professional baseball throughout his career. He's also served as an assistant coach at Mississippi College. Um, he's been on guests on multiple national podcasts, and you'll you'll see why. Um, but if you follow him on Twitter, he is one that I've never. He just shares incredible information at Chuckbox1969. If you want to follow, he's a great follow on Twitter um, for anybody that, um, one, how to develop great men, but also for surely how to create better ball ballplayers. Um, just with listening to him, what I heard on Sheets' podcast with him and what he does with his program, and then he shared a, uh, recently just shared a Zoom call with his staff where I think we had close to 100 people on that call. To where he just kind of gave a little glimpse into his program and what they do. Uh, and it was just something that I uh, reached out to him and said I'd love for him to be able to talk on the podcast and share even in, in more in our area um, with people who want to listen up and just, just give more knowledge of what he does. Um, but he is an incredible, incredible coach, always willing to share. I think it's a testament of um, just what a good teacher does because a teacher, we can read anything you want. You can read anything you want in a book. But it's a matter of how a teacher applies it and the relationships he has with his kids or what she has with her students or with her kids and how you implement those things. Uh, he'll share anything you want, and he is just an absolute dude. And I am really privileged to be able to talk to him. We talked a ton. There's a ton of information. He gets into a mentorship program. He has a success leaves clue pro program where he meets with his kids during, he has a homeroom during during class, during school, and he touches more about that and how they have a advisory board within the community and how they're bringing in guest speakers. Um, there's a mentorship between different players and other people around the community that he matches up um, and does incredible things at Hartfield, uh, let alone how his practices have changed in the last 30 years. But also, what has stood a test of time in the last 30 years? What hasn't changed for him and remained the same? He develops toughness into his program. He has a toughness program. He gets into that. And 
Um, really what he's seen right now, he's got SEC recruits. Like I said, he's put, he's put multiple players professionally. Um, and he just talks a little bit about what separates those kind of players from really the rest. You know, that elite-level talent uh, and the elite kid, what has really separated them. But there's just so much more. There's so much more packed into it. I want to get right into it. And I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, I'm sure by the end you're going to want to reach out to Coach Box. Again, follow him on Twitter at ChuckBox1969. C-H-U-C-K-B-O-X-1969. And his email is cbox at hartfield.org. H-A-R-T-F-I-E-L-D dot org. So without further ado, here he is, Coach Chuck Box. We do our best, I think, or do a good job because our game's so life. There's so many lessons involved around with the adversity in the game. Absolutely. So what do you think is, what do you think is the best thing that you do to create better men? That is a great question. I don't think there, there's any one thing. I think it's a combination of things. And I think it really starts with, how you do everything. And, you know, one of the, one of the terms that we use is how you do anything is how you do everything. So everything I, I, I did a presentation on culture the other night to some guys. And the, the thing that I talked about was, you know, do you want to do you, I use the Kobe quote, do you want to be the beast or do you, do you want to do it beast too? Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants to be well-prepared. Everybody wants to be great at practice. Um, and people talk about culture all the time. And Bill Moziello and I were talking about this the other day. And, and Bill, you know, said, if you have to constantly talk about culture, you probably don't have it. Um, and he had a good definition of culture. He said, culture, it's standards sets, set and standards met. And I thought, that's pretty good. You know, and he and I were talking about P.J. Fleck. And P.J. Fleck said, culture is kind of connecting people. So, you know, what we're talking about here is culture. How do we, how does our culture develop better men? And, and the thing that I try to tell young coaches is it, it's everything that you do. It's not any one thing that you do. Um, if you are the cultural leader of your program, it is a everyday job and you have to be relentless. Um, and my culture is not your culture and your, your culture is not mine. Uh, Butch Chaffin, another friend of mine, um, he had, he had a quote and I can't remember exactly what it said, but the basic concept was everybody's culture is different. Like what I do here, you wouldn't be able to do in Maryland or what you do in Maryland would be different for me. So I, I, I kind of say all that to say that it kind of involves everything that you do. So it goes back to your, our core covenants, our core covenants are passion, excellence, selflessness, and being undeniable. So Every decision that we make is driven by our core covenant. So play that out into a, a day for us. Well, our success leaves clues thing is probably one of the things that I think you and I talked a little bit about that I think helps us instill those pillars, those core covenants every single day. Going back to my first point, how do you instill it every day? So the success leaves clues program we created two years ago and I went to, my principal, I said, Jim, I want a homeroom. And he looked at me like I was crazy. You know, no teacher asked for a homeroom. And he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to have a time when I can meet with my guys. Uh, We've heard Tim Corbin talk about the importance of the classroom and being able to have a dedicated classroom space to teach. 
And so we have homeroom on Monday, Tuesday, and Fridays. We have it from 1045 to 1115. So we took that time and we made that our classroom learning opportunity. This program that we created called Success Leaves Clues. And basically the objective is to teach life skills and leadership ability to teenage boys. We have an eight person advisory committee made up of men and women from our community. Uh, one of the members is a faculty representative and one of them is a, a, a student, or a senior, a student rep. They help us identify uh, topics that are relevant to teenage boys and then they help us bring in speakers throughout the course of the year. We meet in June. We don't really ask a lot out of them other than in one meeting and then to help us find these speakers throughout the year. And then what we do, Trey, when we start back in the fall, we've kind of had to change the program a little bit because football is kind of doing the same thing that, that we're doing and they actually take some of our guys. So I used to introduce our mission, our core covenants, the words we use, and towards the middle of the semester, we started bringing in speakers. And then towards the end of the semester, um, it starts kind of turning towards baseball. So what we've done now is we bring in the speakers the first part of, um, of the fall. And so we have people that come in and they talk about everything. They talk about etiquette. They talk about how to treat a female. They talk about conflict management, how to manage your money. Pretty much any topic that you can think of, um, we bring these people in. And they're experts in their field to talk about our guys. We also bring some people in. And the talk is pretty basic. It's just, what are your success clues? Tell us things that you do on a daily basis that make you successful. Another piece of the Success Leaves Clues program is our mentor program. Um, we actually have a classroom setting on um, how to, what, what a mentor is, how to choose your mentor, how to invite your mentor into your life. Uh, they extend the invitation to the mentor. And then in October, we have a breakfast. We bring in a speaker. We get Chick-fil-A donated. And we introduced the mentor program to them. We ask that the guys uh, have quarterly contact, you know, once every three months. We invite them to a game in the spring, and we honor them at a game. And it's really been a great program for us. And the, the jest is for our guys to see men who are husbands and fathers um, doing it the right way. And hopefully that's a really good example for them. The other thing that I think we do, we, we try to model behavior. We like when our families are around. I want our players to see how I treat my daughter. How do I treat my wife? Uh, and our other coaches, their families are around. Uh, one of our co coaches, Moises Rodriguez, his son's our bat boy. Um, so he's at practice almost every day. He's at our games. And so um, that's another thing that we try to do, just trying to model the behavior that, you know, we want from our guys. But I think it goes back, though, to how you do everything. And, and it's just, it surfaces and manifests itself in every day and pretty much everything you do. Your Success Leads Clues program, um, how long have you been doing that? This is our second year. We didn't do it the first year. And we, we realized that we really had a, 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 a leadership void, a vacuum. I, had, I came from a school where they had the global – Jackson Prep had the Global Leadership Institute, which is kind of a one-of-a-kind program. And they actually taught uh, leadership through – I think started in sixth grade, and it was a different type of leadership, and you kind of progressed through this deal. And I just always thought that was pretty awesome. Not that we don't do a good job of teaching leadership here. We do. We, 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 we do a good job of teaching leadership at Hartfield. But we felt like we needed a little bit more. So uh, we created this program to, to, to do that. Um, and when in the spring – that, that particular time period becomes more baseball oriented. Um, 
we may show film from the day before or have a scouting report, but I'd still do some type of um, life lesson. Maybe it's a five minute uh, clip. We'll be showing a lot of uh, Jordan clips, you know, when yeah. we get back from, from episode four. Um, it, may, it may be, uh, um, we're actually building a catalog, a curriculum of stuff that we can use. You know, one of the things that we do, for instance, in the fall, when we talk about uh, taking notes, we're going to, we're going to, we have a notebook, they have a system book there. We teach them how to take notes. How do you sit? You know, you don't sit with your arms crossed, leaning back in the chair. You sit on the front of your seat. Um, when I went up to Michigan a couple of years ago, they had a great idea of how they actually very intentional on how they organize their classroom. So we kind of incorporated that where basically the new guys are in the middle surrounded by the older players. Um, but, but we even show a clip of uh, Doc Rivers talking about Tom Brady when Belichick invited Doc to come speak to the team. He walks in and Brady's on the front row before he got there. And Brady, Brady took notes, everything that Doc, you know, and it kind of, Doc said, it kind of took me back a little bit. You know, we might show him a clip of Alabama's football players taking notes or whatever. So um, we're very intentional with how we do it. The topics are getting more and more um, intentional. Um, but we all we have some of the same ones every year. We my, my wife's a communication professional. She comes in and talks about conflict resolution. Um, awesome. We actually we actually had one tray where we taught them how to talk how to shake hands and look an adult in the eye. Yep. Because because our guys wouldn't do it. You know, they would right. shake their hand and they would look away. So that was one of the lessons. But yep. um, it's really unlimited what we can do. And it's still growing. The program's still evolving. And, you know, I'll talk to guys like you and get an, oh, that's a good idea. We need to incorporate that in there. So, but yep. that's the gist of it. Yep. So with your speakers, like, because like what we did, because we had, you know, leadership council. And we met once a week with our leadership council. And I meet with our captains. We'd have captains club. And then we have leadership council for the whole program. Um when you're bringing in speakers, do you try to have speakers? Do you ever tailor the speakers to like your core covenants, anything with your mission, or are they just really just kind of generalize, you know? They're pretty, they're pretty general. What we did this year is we had players introduce each core covenant. So they had to put a PowerPoint together and talk about passion. Um, we had another, we, we, we actually had our juniors and seniors do it. So that's how we introduced them this year. Um, I don't really, we, we, for two years, every day is a different core covenant. And we just rotate through it. So, you know, Tuesday would be Passion Tuesday. Wednesday, Selfless Wednesday. We did that one year. Um, but the, the talks are, um, they, don't, they don't really, they relate to our core covenants, but they're, they're much more specific than that. And that, that really comes from my leadership, my advisor board. They helped me develop those topics. So I guess within that, so I guess maybe coming to your springtime within that, what do you get into like the mental side of the game or is it mostly just like more like game plan stuff or is, you know, like, or are you getting into the mental side of the game and kind of helping them maybe with their routines or yeah. their breath or things like that? We introduced the mental game in the spring. I mean, in the fall, um, kind of in the middle of the fall, we started introducing that I think it's a, it's, it's a two day lesson. Um, and we practice our routines and our releases. Now, one of the things that we're going to do, um, that a lot of people are doing now. And I've talked to Sheets a lot about this. We're going to actually have a, a five to 10 minute period every day at the beginning of practice. So when we get to practice every day, that's the first thing we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to do it really before we meet. Um, we're going to go, I think, in our batting cages and go through. And we, we're, we're kind of building a curriculum where there's breathing every day. But then I think two days a week, you do visualization. Two days a week is um, self-affirmation. 
So we're, we're, we're going to incorporate more of that actually into our practice schedule. Um, we don't do a lot of, I wouldn't call it date. What, what the spring looks more like is, uh, like on Monday, what I'll do is I'll come in, we'll talk about the practice schedule for the week. Um, we'll talk about that particular day's practice. If we're something we're doing, we, if let's say we're putting in, uh, tandem relays my i may show a couple of clips on video of how we want to do a tandem relay and then i may have like a a four minute life lesson so that might be monday tuesday we're going to probably watch video clips from the practice the day before um if we're playing a game that day maybe we have a scouting report of our opponent that day and then maybe we we still have a two or three minute life lesson i don't i don't i try not to script out a lot of what I'm going to do in the spring and I do that on purpose because I want to be able to know what our team needs. So if we're in a certain place and we need a certain lesson, then I'll spend a lot of time researching that particular lesson. Uh, maybe it's something that I read that morning that stood out to me. Uh, I'll cut it up. I'll drop it in a PowerPoint. And then we, you know, we have a PowerPoint every, every time we meet, you know, we've probably got 200 PowerPoints on our computer of all these meetings. And, it really just depends on what the team needs. I mean, you know, if it's, if we're, if we're like this year, um, we, we had a lot of rain early and it, it really kind of affected, we still were practicing, but we really had to adjust and flow a lot. So we, we found some clips of, you know, Jocko Wilnick maybe talking about good or mm -hmm. a Navy SEAL, you know, it, 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 it doesn't rain inside these gates, you know, I mean, it just kind of depends on what the day is um, as to what we were doing. Yeah, like you said, it all depends on what you guys need at that time. Exactly. For exactly. sure. I guess well, I guess well, another thing is, I guess, what have you, um, you know, you've, you've, you've dealt with a lot of really talented kids, you know, and you have a big network of coaches, um, just good men that you know. Uh, what have you seen, like, in common with those guys, you know, when you talk about the mental side, especially, you know, I know you got a couple of SEC recruits right now. Like, what have you seen out of those guys maybe mentally? Because we all know that they can play. But what's what really separates that kid from just maybe going Division One or going like SEC school? Well, it it really is um, much more apparent in the older kids. So w we've had quite a few guys that have gone on and played in the SEC. Several guys that are still playing professional baseball right now. Jake Mangum's a great example of of a guy that a lot of people will know. Jake played for us in high school. Jake was the career SEC broke the career SEC hits record at Mississippi State. Mm. Um, he's with the Mets now, but. You know, you're, you're, these young guys that we have, they haven't quite got this skill yet that I'm going to talk about. They're still learning it. So my job with those young players, more than anything, Trey, is, is teaching them to be great, great baseball players. But I really got to do two things now in the new recruiting world. One, I have to protect them from expectation because it's not fair to them that they're ninth graders or eighth graders and they're really good and they've committed and people put all this unnecessary expectation level on them. And no longer are they a Hartfield baseball player. You know, they're a Mississippi State commit or they're right. an Ole Miss commit. And I'm not faulting Mississippi State or Ole Miss. They're doing their job. I mean, no, nobody's to blame. There's nothing wrong with what's going on. But my job is to help deflect some of that expectation and teach them how to, how to be a good baseball player. And honestly, I've kind of changed my thought process on this. I want to prepare them to play at the next level, certainly. But my job is to try to create the best high school baseball experience that they can have. You know, hopefully if we do it the right way, we're going to prepare them for the next level. But the biggest difference between like a ninth grade SEC commit and a kid like Jake Mangum 
is they haven't developed that mental part of their game yet. Um, the, even the good ones, they're still struggling with how to overcome failure. So that's part of our job of how to teach them to understand how to fail and to, and to how to how to move on. But the kids who get it the most, I think there's one thing they have, and it's really a, a concept of toughness, but there is a resilience. The really good ones, the guys that are the elite players and the guys that separate themselves from the, the pack are the guys in our game that are incredibly resilient, not just in a game, but they're resilient every Every day, they're resilient in their training. They're resilient in their routines. They're resilient in the way that they um, they eat. Do they get enough sleep? And you know, we have a saying in our program: if you want to be taken seriously, be consistent. Like if you want to be, you know, don't tell me you want to be this great player, but then your your everyday routine doesn't reflect that. Success is found in your daily agenda. And you know, if you're not consistently doing the things that you, I'm not, you're not going to be taken very seriously in our program. We'll coach you. You're going to be a guy on our team, but you're not going to be a guy that we're really going to put a lot of time and energy into because you're not doing that. So I think the biggest separator with guys is their ability to, to overcome failure, toughness, just this resilient quality, not just in games, but in every, everyday life. Can they fail in a drill? And come right back and make the correction. Um, to me, that that is the probably the biggest thing I see that separates the the average kid from the elite kid. Now, have you have you speaking of that failure? Uh, is that some is that is that aware is that a place in your practice that might have changed now? Because I know it's a really hard thing for coaches to do, but I know it's a it's in you know everybody's talking about game like everybody wants game like practices. So is that something that might have? now has changed where you're trying to teach that resiliency just through the toughness and through being able to deal with failure? Are you absolutely, absolutely. Going more up in your practices? No, absolutely. So I think, I think it's a multifold thing. One, I think you, you have to help them like you were talking about in a classroom setting, understand that a, you're going to fail and B when you do fail here, here's how you handle that failure. You know, she's talked to our guys the other night and he was talking about, you have to process something emotionally before you can get to your rational thought. So, so that's what your breath is for. So what we try to do is show those guys and equip those guys and rehearse that particular um, routine or concept before we get in it. So when they get in it and they, and then we do create a lot of situations. Um, Matter of fact, almost every drill that we do, whether it be an infield drill, a breakdown drill, you know, Kai's redirect drills or whatever you're doing, there is a, a, a competitive failure element, constraints, whatever you want to call them. It's actually built into everything that we do. Um, and we chart everything. So every ground ball we take is charted. So that, that's, a, that's a, a failure element that's built in because now all of a sudden you're competing. Um, our, our, our hitting routines are very much, uh, you know, three, our three ball break, our, our, our three plate breaking ball drill is very much a drill that's built on failure. Um, so I think not only are we trying to create more game like scrimmages, which I think we do a really good job of that, but we're also trying to create constraints, failure, and then teach them how to overcome that failure within our drill work. Has that changed for me? Absolutely. I think when I first started coaching, a, I practice stuff that didn't happen very often. Um, I mentioned Kai Correa, but I think Kai's done some stuff for us that 
for instance, with ground ball stuff, he showed us where outs really come from, you know, and, and that was one of the most impactful things to me several years ago. And so my point is, does your practice reflect the things that happen in a game? So, you know, if I know 65% of the outs in the infield come from ground balls, then I need to be matching that. If I know 17% come from fly balls, then, then my practice should look like that. But I've built failure and variables and competitiveness, game-like stuff into everything that we do. So it, it's, it's, it's not something that we're telling the kids. It's just a, it's part of the DNA and the fabric of, of how we train and practice. Yeah, like going back to say, like just a combination of everything that you're doing. Exactly. You yeah. know, because I think within that. So um, trying to build that, is that something that you're like looking for during the day? Like when you're trying to build that failure or trying to build them, you know, trying to say like, you know, because um, I know like one minded thing we all we do is I got it from Wes Brooks. Um, but really just we'd have a whistle and have anybody had bad body language, like kind of during those you know, competitive things, we, we yeah. were going to push them, push them really hard, maybe have something random at game like, and then if we had bad body language, we'd blow the whistle and you got burpees or you'd have push-ups or something. Yeah, that's great. You, you do anything specific? Yeah, we, like yeah, Wes, Wes is awesome. Wes is a necktie. He's an OG necktie. He's, he's a dude. Yeah, um, I got him coming too, man. His, yeah, Wes is the best. Wes, you tell Wes, when you at, you, you tell Wes that uh, you heard he was an OG necktie. See what he says. Yeah. Um, we got a we got something from southeastern Louisiana, which I think is the best. We have a weighted vest, so if a guy has bad body language, we have a weighted vest in the equipment room, and we'll pull the weighted vest out, and it's heavy, and they have to put it on and strap it up, and they have to wear it. It doesn't matter if we're in practice, inter squad game, if he's pitching an inter squad game, he has bad body language. We put it on him, and the concept for us is. Um, if you're going to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders and with that bad body language, by God, we're going to put it on you. Um, so that, to me, that's one of the, I think that's probably the best thing because you don't, you know, you, 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 it's, it's embarrassing and, and it's physically difficult. Um, and we haven't had a big problem with body language since we broke, we did that two years ago. We that, but we got that from Matt Riser at Southeastern Louisiana. And I just thought it was awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Just, yeah. let it hang, just let it hang in the dug as a reminder. Yeah. You, yeah. It's, Actually, our, our one of our guys will get it out. You know, if guys starting to pout, he'll get it out and hang it over the rail in the dugout. And you know, it, it usually it usually stops. So we had two guys wear it. You know, this year in our preseason stuff, one of them was a senior, and he earned it. He was pouting and being a little baby, and so we put it on him. And it's kind of funny too because the kids will make fun of him. Oh, absolutely. Wearing it, but yeah, oh, high school yeah. kids. Oh, absolutely. That's all. Oh, yeah. it takes. That's all it takes. Then you get a little bit. You, know, you get a little bit embarrassed, you know, don't want to say yep. face. And, oh, yeah. Stop. We have a team uh, in our league that we don't like very much. And um, I got this from Michigan, too, another great idea. Um, every now and then, we'll just blow the whistle. And we'll start yelling this team's name out. And when, we, when that happens, the guys know that they go to the outfield, foul, uh, left field foul pole, and they have to run light pole to back, light pole back, light pole back, light pole back. We have four poles in the outfield. You have to do it in two and a half minutes. And so as soon as we do it, blow the whistle, you run, boom, you run it. If, 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 if a guy doesn't make it, we do it again. And then you, but then you have to go right back into practice. No complaining. Um, you have to learn to use your breath. And it simulates. And our guys know it's not punishment. It's uh, you just got popped in the mouth. We just gave up a three-run homer. All right, use your breath. Get back in the moment. Get centered. So it creates that. One of the things that Michigan did, I was talking to a guy the other day, is they'll do a deal like before uh, at bat in the scrimmage, 
they'll make a dude a guy do like 15 burpees and then go to the plate. Mm-hmm. And what he's having to do is what you were talking about. Get centered, breathe, slow down, you know, get your body back. So we'll do some stuff like that to create, you know, chaos and get the heart rate going. But the, uh, the opponent run is, is awesome because yeah, it's, it's just cool. chaos. And, and, the, and, you know, and if they complain about it, we'll do it again, you know, because they've got to learn to get right back into what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, like we said, it's just a matter of, and I, I like the uh, the rivalry team there too. That's a pretty cool, pretty cool little trick, you know. Get them, get them a little more competitive edge again. Yeah, get the juices how, going. Yeah. Yep, and how you do everything, man. Yep. You know, so, um, you know, has well, you you've talked about how things have changed. Has any uh, that has stood the test of time? Is there anything that you just haven't stopped doing that just like, man, there's just nothing better than this? I think playing catch. Um, I think that's the the one thing that I've really never gotten away from is just catch play. We've gotten better at it. I think we drill it better than we used to. We are throwing prog- progressions much better, but just the importance of playing catch. And, you know, as I've gotten older now, and I tell people all, all the time, say, you, Chuck, if you said you got 30 minutes to practice, what would you do? Well, me right now where I'm at in high school, I would move and I would play catch. So many of the issues that we have with our athletes now, whether it be – not being able to get in a good launch position or poor head flexors at the, on the mound or filling the ground ball, they all go back to um, problems with movement, foundational movement. And, you know, the game in over 100 years hasn't – if you get people out, you have a chance to win. And so I still think the catch play is, is so important. I think the other thing, I had some – we had a Zoom call. Um, we've been having team meetings on Sunday nights. And we, I had some of my former players on this past Sunday – from like 20 years ago. Um, one of them played for me in 94, one of them played for me in 97, and one, one of them played for me in 2000. And they reminded me that we, we were talking afterwards, but just the attention to detail. And that's something that they've three, all three of those guys have taken into their life. But I think that's something for me that it really hasn't changed. It's just my preparation and my attention to detail. Um, I've gotten better, obviously, because I've gotten older and I've got more experience. But that's one thing I think that was very important to me in the beginning, and it's really equally important to me now, is just the, the, your daily preparation and your ability to pay attention to detail. Because, and you know, I, I tell coaches this all the time, if you don't have as much staff or facilities, then you should even be more organized. You know, there, there is even less margin for error um, if you don't have the resources. And I think sometimes coaches are, you know, I just can't do all the things that you do. Well, if I have less to work with, I think I have to even have a better plan, you know, and I just don't have a lot of patience for coaches that don't put a lot in their preparation. Um, you know, my routine from January to till, till, till June, I mean, it's every day, you know, and I have an, I have an awesome wife. I don't teach classes and I know everybody, but I've been, I've been in positions where I had other responsibilities. You can find a way to do it if it's important to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I even see the attention to detail in a ton of coaches, good coaches that I know. So you talked about that. You, yeah, you just, you mentioned about um, your zoom calls that you're having with your kids and all. Yeah. Um, is that, is that, is that the biggest thing that you're doing to help your players right now? Or how are you, you know, how are you doing that? Well, we just, um, our, our state association just canceled our season yesterday. Yeah. So did Maryland. Yeah, I saw that. Um, so when we first started, our guys were still coming to the facility and working out on their own because we did not have a shelter-in-place order. We just had, you know, small groups. 
And then when we got the safer at home order, it changed. And then when we got the shelter in place where we, we, our facility was shut down. So what we did is we sent, we sent them a plan, a, a weight plan every week. We did it every week. And then on Sunday nights, we had a Zoom call at 8 o'clock. We actually moved it to 7 because of the Jordan series. But we had a Zoom call, and uh, we brought in some former players. So the first week, we, we had two guys that were in. Um, one, of them, one, of, one of them pitched uh, plays at Ole Miss. One of them plays at TCU. And we just talked, you know, what would you do different if you were in high school? And mm-hmm. um, what are, what are, talk about your daily routine. Just, just general questions and kind of what do you do during that bat? Um, we had, and then we had another group on. We had, we had Jake Mangum on one night, which was cool. We had Sheets on one night talking about the mental game. We had some former players talking about what is – you grew up in this system. How does it benefit you 25 years down the road? And then the other thing I've tried to do, really the last three weeks especially, is call or FaceTime every player, you know, at least once and talk a little bit. I've tried to be um, extra sensitive to our seniors um, and, and talk to them a little bit more. But really just trying to provide them with the resources. We – our character coach has sent them some stuff. Our toughness coach sent them some stuff. Um, we sent them a Headspace app, and we're trying to encourage them to use that. So, uh, but now since we're canceled, our focus kind of shifts. Now we're we're going more into um, year in our year end protocol, getting stuff turned in, um, exit meetings, and then getting them their individual player development plans for the summer. So that's kind of how we've shifted it. We had a meeting this morning and our gears are kind of shifted towards that. Um, we still are, we're safer at home. So we're, we're still can't really do anything, but what we hope we could do maybe if, if we open the state up a little bit more is to maybe start doing some individual work one to get better, but two also to get them ready for summer baseball, because we don't actually have a summer team. Our guys go off and play. So, um, it's been hard every week. It's a little bit harder to keep them engaged, I think. And, um, you know, we're still not sure what's going to happen with the summer league. We're still waiting to see what happens for that with that. But we're, we're, um, we're tomorrow we're starting to clean out, the, put, put stuff up, equipment up, locker room, which is sad. Um, and then hopefully next week the guys will be able to come in and clean out their lockers. We'll have an exit meeting. Um, and we may do that via Zoom. And then what we'll actually do, we actually, this is our phase 10, or excuse me, phase nine of our, our development plan there's 10 phases so phase nine is 10 weeks so each guy will have an individual plan um that's put together for him you know like my shortstop i'll we'll get together and we'll come up with this plan different emphasis for the summer and then kind of what his measurables will be um when he comes back at the end of summer so that's kind of you know our, we just did a complete 180 we were we were trying to keep him engaged thinking we might actually play and now all of a sudden it's a complete you know I had trouble sleeping last night because I was thinking, you know, okay, uh, I've always had answers, but it's my 30th year of coaching. I don't, I don't really have an answer. And, and then I woke up this morning. I thought, well, you know, it's just like being eliminated from the playoffs, mm-hmm. you know? So like, we're going to, I'm going to pretend like I got eliminated from the playoffs tomorrow on Thursday. And so what would we do if, if our season ended, uh, you know, earlier than we had anticipated. So that's kind of where I'm at in my mind, trying to process it. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy. No, for- it's not easy, man. Yeah. Now you touched on a lot of cool things that we could go a bunch of ways, man. Like I was thinking about your toughness coach. That sounded really cool. Uh, you, then you talked about your, your different phases, um, you know, different phases. Our toughness you. program is awesome. Um, I think I talked about that a little bit the other night on that zoom call, maybe where you, were you, I don't know which one 
Um, I didn't hear anything about the toughness program. We put together a toughness program that my wife told me is the best thing she's seen us do. We were complaining one night after a game last year, you know, Hey, kids are just soft and, you know, and, and I am certainly not the, I'm 51 and I don't care about being the cool dude. Like I'm not trying to be your friend. I'm trying to be your coach. And I tell my, my kids the same thing, my own children, but I do want to be relevant. I want to try to stay relevant. Um, and so I'm not the get off the lawn old guy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not at all. I don't want to be that guy. Uh, so I'm not saying, you know, kids today are terrible or whatever, because I think kids today are awesome. I think we're coaching some of the best kids ever. I think the world they live in has changed drastically. Um, I, a lot of the problems that we have are our fault because, you know, I, like when parents start complaining about kids, I'm like, dude, you're the one that like, you create the environment. You create an environment like I, it's your fault. It's not his fault, but I still think kids are awesome. I still think kids want the same things that kids have always wanted and needed. Um, I think they need guidance and leadership, and I think you need to kick them in the butt and hug them at the same time sometimes. But um, so we said, okay, what are we going to do about it? You know, you, you're in the Northeast when the famous Rick Patino line, you know, uh, Kevin McHale's not walking through that door or Larry Bird's not walking through that door. I mean, you know, in high school, for the most part, what we have is what we have. So what are we going to do about it? That's what I said. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to change this? So I reached out to one of my former players who is a um, fire instructor at the Mississippi fire Academy. A lot of people don't know this, but the fire Academy has, um, has a special forces branch. So swift water rescue, like being able to go in and get people out of a, a, a stream. Um, there's a thing called smoke divers. There's only 1,700 smoke divers in the world. It's basically like being a Navy SEAL. Nick Reagan um, played for me, and he's an instructor at the Fire Academy, and he is a smoke diver. So I, 1,650 smoke divers in the U.S., I'm sorry. So I went to Nick. I said, Nick, can you help me create a toughness program? He said, yeah, sounds fun. So we, we named him our toughness coach. He's a volunteer guy. And he put together over the summer a curriculum, and it's a 12-week curriculum. And so 12 Fridays in a row, every Friday in the fall, starting in August, all the way into November, we had toughness training. It didn't matter what we did that day, Trey. If we had a lifting session or a skill session, we would do our toughness training. And I looked at that list the other day he sent me because we put it in a PowerPoint when we gave a presentation. Um, Some of that stuff, like I'm wondering maybe how I didn't get fired because, I mean, it was brutal, some of the stuff we did. But the first six weeks, it was very individually oriented. The last six weeks was very team oriented. And it culminated with us having a couple more of the fire academy instructors that came out and they put the kids in full fire gear with a tank and a helmet. And they had to do this unbelievable obstacle course where they're pulling dummies and, you know, pretend like they're chopping in a a roof and going up to the top of the stadium and picking a, a, a fire hose up. And it was insane. And they were competing against – the two teams were competing against each other, and we had an individual champion. Um, but every, every lesson that Nick taught each week had a different theme. So week three was um, being able to, 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 to battle your inner voice. Everybody has the inner voice. And it was a hang challenge. They had to hang for six minutes, which you can't do. But every time your feet hit the ground – you had to run a lap in a certain time and it was rough. It was hot, you know, it's 105 degrees in Mississippi in August. And so um, it was brutal. It was brutal. And our, one of our seniors really showed his tail that day. It was very embarrassing. 
got upset, started cursing, hit something, and it was just a really bad, bad deal. And he won week 12. Nice. And, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, you know, for him, for our team. He kind of gained some respect back. Um, but, you know, I saw it work, and I saw these guys grow, and I saw it get to the point of where they were pumped about these suck, like, I mean, one day it's sleeting, you know, and we're crawling in the water. I mean, it was brutal, but they really took a lot of pride. And they're already talking about, oh, man, Tough Friday. Like, so um, at the end, we had a T-shirt made up. It said tough, it had Tough Friday. It had the fire logo and a, and a time symbol and our logo. And then on the back, it said find your 60 because Nick's whole thing was Navy SEALs are taught that when you feel like you're done, you're only at 40% of what your body can do. So he said, we're going to find our 60. I've watched that manifest itself in some situations. We were 14 and three before the season ended. And there were some situations that we had during the course of the 17 games and in our training um, where it was just a really cold day or a crappy day and nobody complained about the weather. We just came out and went to work. That wouldn't have happened before that training. Mm -hmm. uh, we won two games this year that we would have lost the year before. And I gave Nick hundred percent of the credit. Um, I don't do a lot of talking during that time period. Nick kind of runs it. I'm just kind of out there cheering and yelling and getting on them. Um, and he kind of runs the deal. So, but the toughness stuff was amazing. It's one of the better things that we've done. We've done. Yeah, it sounds like it, man. That sounds like it. It's super cool. Yeah, it's almost like um, it's almost like an every day you did like a, you know people like you know, Vanderbilt made it famous, put on YouTube with that their um that obstacle course on the yeah yeah man, that was called, crazy man. We called it we called it we we did uh, Aberdeen challenges Aberdeen yeah. championship yeah 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 yeah, yeah the Omaha challenge that they do Omaha yeah, challenge yeah, Omaha challenge yeah. Vanderbilt used to have something called Tough Wednesdays yeah. in the fall, too, that I've heard them talk about where they do stuff at 6 a.m. in the morning. But I, I think um, I think toughness is a muscle. Sure. I think you can teach it. And, uh, I, you know, maybe kids aren't getting taught it today, so maybe that's where we have to fill the in the gap or whatever. But um, great idea, man. And I, I just uh, – Nick just Nick, – and I just kind of gave him the thought. Nick, my, he just ran with it. He's already putting stuff together for this fall, so – He's kind of like Jekyll. I mean, he's kind of like in his lab creating these, uh, <laughs> you know, really crazy, uh, crazy things, man. And and I like I don't have a T-shirt. Only the guys that participated in it got a T-shirt. So it was kind of a it was kind of it was a cool. Yeah, thing. exclusive club for sure. Exclusive club for sure. Yeah. So I guess I guess just just ever think just thinking about looking back at your success leads clues clues program. So like during the fall they could have a success leads they could have a uh, basically a classroom session on Friday as well as a tough tough yeah. Friday day. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Well, every, every Friday, the only days on Friday we don't have a home room is if we have a home football game. So, yeah, so probably seven of those Fridays we had a classroom setting and um, the tough Friday. So Yeah, that's really nice to be able to have your hands on your kids. Like oh, that. It's, it's awesome, man. It's, it's, it's great. Very fortunate to have that. And it's our, it's, uh, we got nine through 12th graders in there. So, we're, you know, we got a, a big group of our program in there. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, that, and that's what, for me, when I look at, how like what is really tough about even more so about this situation with kids losing their high school seasons is that's where you get a lot of what I feel is you get it's more you're more likely <coughs> to get taught you know these these kinds of things and and um you know when it comes to summer I know the big thing that you know people are that I'm trying to fight is trying to still have the standards base you know have those kind of programs and still play summer baseball mm -hmm. you know as that's kind of my transition to kind of see hey what's that going to look like now 
yeah. um, because I still find it so very valuable, you know, but I think that's something that I think what we'll see is it's really tough for kids because they're kind of losing, they're really losing part of that, you know, in the summer, there's so. not too much so. development in the summer, you know, and kids really need that. Um, I know, I know. So where's I, that going to come from this year? We've talked about that, you know, right. What's the fall going to look like? It might look different for some people. And um, I still think we're going to get, I still think we're going to get um, summer going here. The summer stuff's going to get going here pretty soon, I think. So I think they're going to get their, their at-bats and innings pitched. But where does some of that leadership stuff that you and I are talking about come from? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. And um, hopefully well, our – Like you even said, you know, when you're sitting – like the veterans are sitting around, you know, the freshmen, you know, like the – you know, you, those kinds of things too. When you go to summer, you're playing with 15 new team. You're playing a 17 new team, and you're playing with guys your age not so much being able to look up to someone there's a valuable there's valuable lessons learned in there um That's you know true. there's That's valuable lessons where where a person also wants to um you know where you're gonna you have a culture of a program saying like look you're just not meeting up to the standards you know you're not gonna play you know and i still yeah. think that most guys do that but i think it's such a summer is just a different thing um you know where you want them to get there at bats but at the same time it's just a matter of there's just there's other skills there that's going to lead you into becoming even a better player. Um, that that's that's the kind of stuff that I feel for some kids, you know, because that's the only time they're, they're going to get it. They're not going to get it. Yeah. They're not going to get anywhere. So no, there's 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 teams out there that do it, you know, that run standards um, and have good standards and will hold kids accountable. That are just more than just collecting a kid's player fee, um, yeah. you know. Yeah. But but uh, it's just a matter of finding that for them. But yeah, that's the kind of stuff that I I feel and you know is what I'm trying to find to be creative and see how I do that. Um, You know, but you talked about, you know, speaking of development, you know, you you touched base about your phases. You you have 10 phases for your developmental plan. And I guess, will that start, I guess, in the fall? Yeah. Phase one's in the fall. Um, Phase one is about a five or six week. I think it's six this coming year. Um, It's what we call fall foundation. And we do it a little bit different. We, we, um, the first six weeks, we don't touch baseball. It's, it's really our – it's kind of in our, our ramp down fa- – our, our off-ramp phase where our guys have been playing all summer. We try to – we encourage them to put the baseball down for a little while. And some of our guys will continue to throw it, but it's not – we're not doing it. Um, but, like, you know, phase one for us I think is um, strength, movement, toughness, and assessments where we're, we're, they'll come back in from the summer and – you know, what kind of mobility they have. Our trainer puts them through a screening, like a shoulder stability, a hip, hip mobility screening. Um, and that's about six weeks. And then I think fall skills is about five or six weeks. And that takes us up into, no, into Christmas or November, excuse me, Thanksgiving. And that's, um, we're still doing strength movement, toughness, but then we, we have a throwing program that we initiate. Um, we do, we introduce our hitting. So there's, a, there's an offensive uh, component and a defensive component. Um, but, but, you know, then it goes on through the year, but the basic concept is we've been working on this for a long time and we've had something in place like this, but we've really formalized it really during this COVID thing. We've been able to kind of get it set up the way we want it, but basically I'll sit down with my shortstop at the beginning of, of phase one. I'll actually about to, in the next three weeks, I'll be meeting with the guys to give them their summer, which is phase nine. Um, but basically, he'll help me develop um, measurables, things that he's trying to accomplish during that six-week period in each different 
phase. So, you know, phase one, toughness, which that's a, that's a subjective grade. And then um, the speed, the movement, and the strength, those are, those are measurable. Those are all measurable. They're not, those are objective. Those are, you know, squat, bench, whatever, uh, your 60 time, your 30 time. So what he'll do is, you know, like our shortstop, Will Purvis. Will will set, he and I will get together with our hidden guy and our strength guy, and we'll set goals, and he'll try to hit those goals. And then what we're going to do, Trey, we're going to give him a report card. So here's your report card. This is, and the reason this is so awesome, one, it allows us to meet with our guys eight times a year, nine times a year, however many times your, your phases are, and there's constant communication. So, you know, and, it, and, and so, so the kid and the parent can't really say anything because we've been, you know, because what, what we'll do is we'll send this home to the parent too. So it's also a way for us to communicate more with our players and our parents. But the biggest thing I like about it is, Will can, can set a micro goal over that six-week period and try to hit it. And then if he doesn't, then, you know, we're going to post it. There's a, like, it's, he's going to fail, you know. And so the other thing that's beautiful in season, we have it phase in season, and I got this from Todd Williams. Actually, over this COVID break, he gave me the idea. They, I think he told us offensively they, they grade their guys every 11 games. So the thing about it, we were talking about this today with one of our players. Let's say you have a bad 11-game stretch. Well, that doesn't turn into 56 games because you say, hey, Trey, man, you're struggling a little bit. Here's some adjustments. And then let's say the next 11 games, you kill it. You know, then, then it, it creates a micro goal, even, even if you're failing, to kind of readjust. So I love that idea. So in season, we have a, a preseason is five weeks, a pre-conference, which is four a conference, which is five, and a postseason, which could be four. So there's four, four or five different phases, you know, basically in season. So we're still – and each phase, each phase, the emphasis changes a little bit. Obviously, when we get into games, it'll look different than when we're – you know, we're not, we're not going to be lifting as much. We go from a three-day a week to two-a-day two a, a week. Um, but we still will try to get some personal – you know, like we'll try to get a squat max. And sometimes our guys will hit their, their personal – the PRs, you know, towards the end of the year because they're not as tired or they're not as worn out or whatever um, because we continue to lift. So um, I'm excited about it. We, we've done – we've had this for 15 years, but not on a sheet of paper where it's formal. You know, maybe we were only having two or three meetings a year, but now the concept is to meet with the kid at each phase – you know, at the beginning of each phase, at the end, you give him a report card. And this is kind of how you did. But he's involved in it, too. You know, we're not just going to – he's going to help us determine these goals. Um, I'm pretty pumped about it. We actually had a meeting about it this morning with our coaching staff, and um, we're, we're working on the summer stuff right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the possibilities for that with our kids. Yeah, I'm sure. When you have these meetings with kids, do you basically just, like, designate – does every coach – have like a certain group of kids or is that just just you meeting with kids or and will you just normally been normally it's been me and um our hitting guy if it's a hitter our pitching guy if it's a pitcher um and then if if, if the, like the guys working with their outfield he may visit with our outfield coach i think what we're going to do this time is we're going to put it on google drive like every kid's going to have a folder um so that way, you know, if you're the pitching guy and he's a hitter too we can kind of work together to create this document um, and then ideally I would like for all of us to meet with them, but I have so many guys that volunteer in our program. A lot of times it ends up be meaning just me or me and my associate head coach who's full time. We may be the only two guys to meet with them, 
and we may communicate what our volunteer pitching coach says or our volunteer infield coach or whatever. Um, you know, if I had a huge staff that was full time, I would do it different. But just kind of depends on what we can get. And we have not met with them eight times a year, which is what we're doing. That's what we're going to do this year. So um, I'm not 100% sure how that's going to look yet. It's just really the availability of my staff. But there's, um, there's actually 10 of us on our staff, including our trainer, but only three of us are full-time, me and two assistants. So I kind of take what I can get when it comes to that. For sure. I mean, anytime you have meetings, it just takes – it just takes time. It takes time, yeah. man. Yeah, it, it takes, takes time. time. And you can think like just going through five kids. I mean, you, I mean, one meeting could take 20 minutes, you know. That's right. That's so right. Yeah. Meetings are tough and you, and it needs to happen. It's just a matter of, yeah, just the doing it. Of it. Well, we're going to, I think we might take advantage of, of Zoom and FaceTime, you know, because like, I mean, theoretically, theoretically, let's say we have to meet with them in August to set up phase one. We could do it on a Sunday night we could all five get on here and, and talk about the plan. So I think that's one thing I think this COVID thing's done for me. I, I, th- I think it's going to force us to use the technology we have available more. And I was telling my wife, man, I could do some of this stuff on Zoom. And she goes, Chuck, you do realize that like Zoom's been around. Like, yeah, but I just kind of figured out how to, you know. And, and right. so, so I think it's going to make it easier for us to meet because we can have some of these meetings at night and, um, you know, at different times. We don't have to have, you know, ideally I'd love for them to be in the office, but, um, what you what, what you and I are doing right here would be perfect. You know, if we had a player on there and I had mother three coaches, I could screen share the deal with him, you know. And then what I'll do is he'll get a copy of the plan. I'll get a copy of the plan. We have a notebook that I've kept that has the dividers. It's got to each kids. And it'll be – and hopefully what we're going to be able to do is share it on, Google, our, on a Google Drive. So every player will have their own folder that's shared with them. Um, you know, we even got talking about that's a good place we could dump video. Yeah, that's where you would dump the hitters' videos and pictures. Yeah, so so everybody would have their own folder and they just jump. You know, so we're we're growing that. Um, it's it's a work in progress, but I'm pretty pumped about I think what it's going to do for us. Yeah, that's super cool. Super cool. You you touch base about like your staff having ten guys on staff. How do you manage? How do you manage those ten? How, how do you manage all those staff guys? Man, that's an awesome question. I'm so fortunate. Um, just uh, Justin Smith, our associate head coach. He played at Nickel State. He's a rock star. And then our other um, – Moises Rodriguez, he's our head junior high coach, but he's also director of player development. So he kind of helps me coordinate player development in 8th through 12th grade. The rest of our guys are volunteers, man. Um, but one of them has been coaching for 52 years, coached Division One baseball for 17. He was a head coach at Mississippi Valley. Um, I have two other guys that played in the SEC that played pro ball. I have another guy that's been coaching for 21 years who, who, who we grew up together. And then I have two student assistant coaches, basically two kids that are – one of them's waiting to student teach and the other one's a sophomore in college. He is our director of baseball operations. So, um, you know, we just really try to hire good people who are smarter than I am, um, and then I let them try to do their job. You know, I don't – I give them some parameters, and they understand the standards and how we're going to do things, and then I let them coach. Um, and I, we've drawn some, you know, we've had guys that want to be a part of our program. And I, I think that's a testament to doing things the right way. And I think we have fun. Um, I try to treat them like family. We get together from time to time and, um, you know, we give them great gear if I can. I mean, I try to do all those little things too. But I, I, I think that if coaches will really look, I think there's a lot of people in their area and their community that, that would really love to be a part of their programs that maybe they're not using. And the other thing I try to do is I try to coach my coaches too, you know, especially my young guys. I really 
try to show them all the ins and outs from budgeting to, you know, I'll take them to meetings with me sometimes just so they can sit in a meeting to see how the meeting goes. How do you, how do you operate in a meeting? Um, if there's a player disciplinary action that, you know, I've got to have a difficult conversation. I'll, I'll ask one of the young guys to come sit in on it. Um, not so much to protect me, but also to let him understand how these things work. So, um, you know, I just think doing the right thing and being, being, being good to your guys um, and then trying to coach them when you can, especially the younger ones. So when you talk about could, do you do any, like anything, have them, and what, like when, if you meet as a staff, do you have any time, you know, I've, I've, I've listened to Randy Jackson, I've read a lot of things he does um, for the football standpoint, but, you know, I know that our staff means a lot different, but do you do any kind of thing like that with, with your coaches, have them maybe teach you certain things or bring to the table during a meeting? On Thursdays, um, the first Thursday of every month, we have we meet with our character coach. He's our FCA guy, Alex Faust. He's amazing. And um, we, we we meet at Waffle House before school. And he has a little devotional, a little prayer time. We just basically sit around and talk. And, hey, how are your kids, man? You know, how, how how's – hey, JJ, how are your boys? How's your daughter? You know, and um, he'll have a little prayer time for us. So we do that. Um, we, we have a, a staff meeting in the fall. And then we have another one in November where we're all together. Um, and then we have a big Christmas party. We'll have, we'll have about 40, 45 people at my house, the kids and, and, and all the coaches and our trainer and, our, and, and everybody, our entire staff. Um, but I, I don't – we don't have a daily staff meeting because I can't. I, I don't – because my guys work. You know, two of them own businesses. One of them's a doctor. Um, now, I will meet with Justin or Mo every day but it's not a formal meeting because Justin and I are together so much. We don't have to like, we're constant, we're, we're in a constant meeting. Um, you know, I've talked to him three times today. So we're on each other's, we're on, we're on the same page. So I don't, I don't really have to, if I was coached in college, we would have a staff meeting every day, you know, to, to go over recruiting and, and practice. And one of the things that I do is I usually plan, plan practice. I shell practice out on Sunday. And I usually plan practice the night before. So what I'll do after practice on the way home, I'll text those guys and I'll say, Hey, what you got for tomorrow? Or, or maybe it's hard. Like, I don't want to ask them to do more than they already do, you know, because I ask so much out of them because our practices are long and they're, 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 they're intense. And, you know, so I, so I really just after practice, I want them to go home, you know, and be with their families. And so I don't really, um, we don't really have a dedicated other than a couple of times a year, maybe three times a year. Um, beginning of each semester, you know, and then during tryouts, we'll, we'll meet too in, in the late summer. Your developmental plans, each coach is, each coach is really kind of broken down with looking at those individuals sitting on those plans. So how are you able to continue to develop those players and, and meet their needs while still keeping the focus on your team? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the individual improvement happens – when you in the meetings I think that's how you outline a lot of it and then you know individual improvement in the weight room well you know when they're in weight room it's it's individualized I mean we're lifting as a team there's some camaraderie there but that's individualized so that that's pretty easy um most of our individual work happens before practice if you if we really got to get a guy we might you know we have early outs early work the first five weeks uh, once we start playing, we don't do that as much, um, where we basically take dedicated practice time and make it individual work. 
we call it early outs. It's really not early outs because it's at 2.30, which is when our practice would start. But from 2.30 to about 3.15, a lot of days we just do pre-practice, which is, which is kind of like early work. A lot of the individual stuff gets done then. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I just believe you make, you make better, better men, better people make better players, better individual players make better teams. And um, putting it all together is the easy part to me. That's, that's what I'm good at and, and how we practice and how we build the camaraderie. Um, the hard part is, is the individual work. But I think that happens when you're in three-on-ones or four-on-one or one-on-one. And then I think also by having these clearly defined goals with measurables, um, there, there is an onus that you're, you're placing the responsibility on the kid to get some of that done when you're not around. Um, so, you know, if he knows he's got to improve his flexibility, that's something he can do without me and you. Um, if he knows he, he needs to, to, to learn where a 10 to 14 degree launch angle is, that's something he can do by himself mm-hmm. or with a partner because we have – you know, three batting cages, three hack attacks, and, you know, 6,000 baseballs. So you want to give, you want to be a better hitter, go hit, <laughs> you know? So I think some of the, the player development stuff is, and I don't know what percentage of it, but I mean, 20% of it can be done maybe when we're not even there. You know, what are you doing when we're not around to get better, especially during the off season? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Speaking of that, like, so what would your, what does your player development coach do? Cause I know you do a lot of that. So like, what would, what would what would he do? Like, what's the, the well, he what, he's a full time teacher. So, um, what 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 he's done for us is he's helped me develop um, some of this, some of these forms, kind of the general idea, and then he'll he'll help me develop each plan, um, and he'll kind of be the go to guy when a kid needs to meet, visit with him. He's going to probably be my point guy on that. But again, I have to be careful because, you know, he he is our resource. He works in our resource department, um, which, you know, kids that need extra testing time, ADHD, stuff like that. He works with those kids. So that's the thing about it. You know, if we were in a perfect world, we were all full time. I would probably just say, hey, man, go with it. Um, so he and I work on it together. It's more of a joint process, but that's kind of his responsibility. All of our coaches have very detailed, defined job responsibilities. But at the end of the day, it's my responsibility to have my hand in all of it to make sure it's being done the right way. because you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm running the program. So, um, but I have tremendous confidence in those guys. And I think over time, as he learns this system and this process, and like I said, this is something we're still working on. We have just, we, matter of fact, we're, we're still kind of, you know, massaging it and seeing if we want it. So I think hopefully eventually maybe as we get to know each other better and he, you know, this is only our second year together, then maybe he'll, I hope to let him have more of it. He kind of starts taking that on and, and owning it a little bit more. Sure. I you talking about all these measurable stuff. And I, I know that's something that you've given me um, when you looked at your assessment stuff. It was just it was just incredible. I love it how it because it, it just kind of clear defined says, hey, you're just not at this. You might want to get at this level. Um, can you touch base about some of those measurables that you just show kids and say, hey, here's where here's where you are. And here's where these other levels are. Yeah. And I love, you know, when people start talking about the data, I mean, hey, we've always had data. Like, we've always had launch angle like. This is not, we act like this is something that's new. Um, we're just have the ability to measure it better. Um, it's becoming less expensive. So more people can, can have it. Yeah. Um, but I think it was Buck Showalter that said this maybe, but 
data is just another tool. It's to help you already know your your eyes to to see to 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 um to to, to justify what you've already seen. I mean, to a certain extent. Um, so what for us, show you something that you didn't see. Something you didn't see, and right. here, here's here's a great example of it. Um, we're learning more about it. We're learning. You know, we have two rap sodas. We have a pitch and hit rap soda. We use a blast. But to me, before I bought all that stuff, my thing was all this stuff is great, but how are we going to use the data? What data do we really need? And how are we going to make it relevant to a 145-pound second baseman? <laughs> you know, and so – so basically me in high school. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I heard a guy say the other day, there's some filters that you put in place before you get to the data. So for a pitcher – you know, can you get in a good delivery position? Can you get in a good foundational throwing position? You know, two, can you um, can you can you throw a, a pitch for a strike sixty percent of the time? Well, if you can't do those two things, it doesn't really matter what your spin rate is or what your you know what your axis is or whatever. Um, but for us, what it's allowed us to do for our pitchers, it's it it's a tool in the bullpen. It's awesome in the bullpen because every bullpen there's a report. I mean, you could not even have a pitching coach down there and print the report out, and it it shows you where every pitch hit in the strike zone. It it, it shows you um, how the velocity of every single pitch. It shows you the tilt of every single pitch, which we're understanding that more and more. And it also shows uh, where where the ball, you know, what kind of what kind of horizontal and vertical break you have. So it's a great teaching tool for us, just in terms of balls and strikes, velocity. Uh, with some of our older guys, with some of our experienced guys, what our pitching coach has been able to do is they, they've started understanding pitch design. You know, we're, we, we are really using it for pitch design. You know, if you've got a kid, we got a guy right now who, who, has, a, who has a tremendous amount of sink on his two-seamer. Well, he doesn't need to throw a four-seamer because his ball, he, you know, he had 22 inches. He, he's a sidearm kid. He had 22 inches of, of, uh, of horizontal break on a pitch the other day, you know, wow. so – just being able to use it to develop players. The other thing, it's, it creates great competition. Because if you're going down there in a the bullpen and you know that it's, it, it's a day where, you know, it's your, it's your day four where you're, you're throwing an aggressive pin, um, the, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't lie. You know, from an offensive perspective, um, it's, again, great for com- competition. Um, I, I still think, you know, exit velocity obviously is a great indicator of, um, your ability to hit, but it's not the only thing. You know, we have different types of kids on our team, and some of our younger guys that aren't very strong, man, we don't even look like exit velocity and launch lane. Launch angle doesn't mean very much to them, you know, because if they're 78 mile an hour exit velocity at 20, 20 degrees launch angle, that's a you know, 180 foot pop up. So, but what it does allow us to do is take a kid in the fall and say, Hey, look, man, your average, your medium uh, exit velocity is 74. And by the end of this phase, we want you to be at 82. So it gives them a goal to work towards. And so we're in, when, they're, when they're in the weight room, they know that that's, that's going to help them get stronger. So they're going to be able to create more bad speed to create more. So it all kind of works together in terms of being able to measure what they're doing. But again, you know, I don't have – this deep understanding of it, but I know enough of it to know how I want to use it to help our kids get better. Um, and we've met with some people who have kind of said, Hey, look, these are the two or three things that you need to look for and blast. Here's the two or three things that really matter on rap. Soda. the rest of it for you is probably not, 
it's not something you even need to get into. Sure. Um, but the 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 t- the tilt and the axis has built has been big too because sometimes you can tell if a guy's you know getting on the side of the ball or not staying behind it. So there have been some things that our pitching coach has, has been able to, to glean from it. And he's seventy two, which is pretty cool that he is willing to. Now we got two young guys that are working in our program, and one of the things I try to do in the summer is to give our coaches a research project. So you know, for me right now during COVID. I've probably learned more in the last month than I have in the last three years. Um, but I've been talking to a lot of people about shifts. That's mm-hmm. been a big emphasis and timing. Um, how do you teach timing? And, um, but two of our young guys, they're becoming blast experts. So, you know, we, so we're, so hopefully those guys can help me understand that a little bit better when we get back going in the fall of how we're going to better incorporate some of that data and some of that technology, uh, you know, into our player development. Cause if we're not, using it to make player develop players better then we wasted our money. Absolutely. Yep. And I love, um, you know, the, the document you gave me about your, like with your assessments, when you are assessing them is, is for them, like those cup there, there is just standards of like what an SEC exit velocity yeah. is. And then yep. what, like, uh, you know, the, all those different levels, there's just standards there too, sure. where yep. it's like, yeah, you might think you want to go here, but, you know, and even just velocity, you know, and everybody yeah. talks about Greg Maddox and what he did, but like he still came in throwing 91, you know, he still came in there throwing. I think there's just certain, you know, there's still a certain assessments there that we just got to say right away, like, look, they're just, this is just what it is. And I think that's, that's one of the great things I know you showed me was, is, is how you even put that in there. Yeah. Yes. Here's where you are, but then here's how this matches up to all these other averages. Yeah. And we're still trying to, you know, that information has been kind of hard to find because yeah. I talked to the guys at Rap Soto and I, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to build some base lines for high school guys. Like what is, what is an average high school guys exit or whatever. Um, the other thing it does with recruiting, you know, like it's what you're talking about. If I have a kid comes in and say, you know, coach, I want to play in the SEC. Well, you know, Hey, look, uh, you know, look, look, Chuck, uh, you know, the average fastball in the SEC is 93.6. You throw 82. So, Look, it's not my dream to tell you you're not going to play in the SEC, but one of two things has to happen. One, we either got to get we've either got to get you to that level, or we've got to think about maybe going somewhere else. You know, maybe maybe we go a different route. Um, so that so we use it for that too. Um, you know, we had a kid that came in this this year about two weeks in the season, and um, we inter squatted twelve times and we measure everything. It was wanting to know why I wasn't playing, and you know, we pull out well your quality at bat preseason was this your you know your metrics on rap soda was this your your launch angle was this you know you're 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 almost towards the bottom and everything and then you know my question is like what, what why are you in my office <laughs> you know what are you doing and, he's, and you know he's he kind of got the point so i think it it's not going to take the place of my eyes and our decisions but it helps us and and what i'm you know i'm not worried about trying to telling he's right or wrong, it helps us get our best guys on the field at the end of the day. And, and, and so that's another use for it. But um, we're still figuring it out, too. We, we're not great. We are not great at it compared to some other people. There's some guys, some high school coaches that just – they blow me away with how much they know. I'm not that guy. And I don't know that I want to be that guy. That's not what I'm trying to do. Um, but we, we certainly have found a lot of use for it. I think it's also a matter of, like you said, how you do everything. Um, and just a combination of things because you do want to make a most sound decision. 
Um, it's not like, yeah, I'm not trying to tell you that you can't play, but like, here's just the facts of it. I think you're just being pre yeah. prepared. You yeah. know, like you said, you've talked about your preparation. It's all about, you know, having the most facts that you can line up to make a good decision. That's exactly right. And, you know, I heard somebody say this the other day on a call we were on. There, there, there is still an art to getting a base hit. Like, there is still an art to being able to be on time in the middle of the diamond and hit a line drive right back up the middle. That, to me, is still a beautiful thing. And, you know, old school, new school, we'll get the ball in the air. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm just, I just know that there's still beauty. And, you know, somebody told me the other day, a, a, a 10 to 15 degree launch angle up the middle is 83% of the time it's a base hit. So that's about like two, two I think Monty Lee spoke one time. He said that's like two inches above the top of the L screen, you know, so line drives still play, man. And, and um, so I'm never going to change with that. You know? mm. Hey, you mentioned quality of bats. I guess a, a couple of things, I guess you, I guess kind of like your in-game stuff that you'll, yeah. that you share. Is there like, so um, is that the, is that the way that you're evaluating your hitters in games just with quality? Of bats? Yeah. I, I'm more, I'm more concerned with quality at bats and OPS than I am really anything. Um, we, we've talked with some people again, Monty Lee, I, we just see, I think he's amazing at Clemson. We, we talked the other day about swing decisions and paying more attention to swinging it, swinging at strikes and kind of charting that a little bit. But for us, um, we keep a quality at bat chart and everything that we do, all of our uh, preseason squads and throughout the season, I think there's 10 things uh, that, that, that go into a quality at bat, you know, um, like a walk, um, a hard hit ball, uh, you know, a, a, if you get, I think a seven pitch at bat, seeing so many pitches after two strikes, any, any RBI. Um, so we keep that. And, and I, and that, and that's an awesome chart because, you know, I had a kid a couple of years ago at prep who was a second baseman, Rob Huffman, tremendous player. And he kind of got off to a slow start at the beginning of the year, but his quality at bat was like 68%, you know, and say, man, you're okay. Your numbers don't show it. Keep doing what you do. And of course, by the end of the year, he had phenomenal numbers. So, um, I, I just, I really like that. I think, um, especially in a high school season where, you know, for us, a, a guy that plays every day is going to have about 100 at-bats. Um, you know, and even in 100 at-bats, man, that's not a great – it's not a, it's not enough data to really show what a kid can do, you know, because five hits is the difference between 250 and 300, you know, whatever. So I, I, I love the quality at-bat thing because I think it's a truer indication of the type of player that he is offensively. Sure. No, like, and that's what's funny. Like, that's where I'm diving in deeper. And that's like one of the things besides the podcast doing the, during the Corona, Corona season. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but like diving into weighted quality at bats, you know, like yeah. that's, that's my thing. It's kind of like uh, yep. the, the WOBA, you know, that's, yeah. a, that's yep. a, yep. So it, it, that got me thinking of all, cause I've always done quality at bats myself. And I'm like, you know, yeah, there is something about, you know, a guy that can hit a, hit a double and a guy that can just move the runner from second to third, like, Yep. There's a big difference there, you know, yep. and I'm like, I, I would, I wouldn't mind. Cause like, then I, you know, try to test it with like a certain formula and say, okay, well, you know, they both had the same 500 quality at bat percentage, you know, but this guy had, didn't, didn't get a ball in the infield, but then this guy didn't. And then his weighted quality at bat was like 750 and the other yep. one was like 430. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So like there, that could be, that could be something that I'm, I'm going to probably look into that I think would dive even deeper to that. I look at I look at quality at bat. I look at OPS. It's something I really study a lot. The other thing that I do is I just do a simple plus minus. Like so, a chart? 
Yeah, well, basically what I do is I take I take a kid's walk. I do a I do what's called quality control. I have a little form, and every about ten games, I'll write my starting lineup down, and I just fill it out. I actually do it with a pencil. It's old school, but it's kind of the things I want to see. Uh, but I basically just take walks and hit by pitches minus strikeouts, and that's a great high school. So you know, if I had ten walks and and four hit by pitches, that's fourteen. Let's say I had you know eight strikeouts, I'm still plus six. It's just a really simple way for me to um, track things, but I still pay a lot of attention to that. Uh, the other, one of our other goals as an offense, a team offense, is what we call the three-headed monster. So it's basically our walks, um, our hit by pitches, and their errors. Minus, you know, we, and we do the same thing with errors, and we look at a plus or a minus number because I, you know, eighty, what is it, eighty-six, eighty-five percent of big innings, which for us, a big innings three runs or more, one of three things happens walk hit by pitcher and error you know we see the three-run homer on ESPN but we don't see the two walks that happened before it you know so um, that's something else that we look at but individually the plus minus thing I've been doing that for 20 years uh, so there's something right there there's something right there so that it's the test of time yeah it does and you know that so I don't have to do a lot I, I, I don't I don't get that if I'm looking at quality at bat and I'm looking at plus minus and their OPS and then you start weighing in their defense, which is important for us. Um, and then I'll pay attention to stolen bases a little bit too, depending on who the kid is. Um, you get a pretty good picture of what, especially in high school. Um, you know, if you're if you're striking out a lot in high school, that's not good. You know, especially with the pitching that we see. It's not like we're seeing 95, you know, much. Every now and then a 90, 91, 92 guy. But, um, yeah, that's something I've paid a lot of attention to. Sure. Do you, do you, will, you give your, will you give your team, like, um, you know, like a certain goal, like let's say you're plus or minus, like, hey, we're, we're all, if we're, whenever we're plus or minus five, we're going to win. That's something we like have that? a, we have a board, um, our, our quality at bat, we want to be 50%. And um, we might need to up that a little bit, but our, our goal is to 50%. But we have a board outside of our locker room. There's eight things that we try to do. There's eight categories that we try to do. Um, and so we track that. We track that every game. Um, it's laminated. So after every game, I have two magic markers in the red and the black, and you know we'll write it in. Um, and you know when we do when we do the things that we try to do, we win. I mean it's it's probably over eighty percent of the time. At the bottom of that chart, it has our dirt bags. So there's eight things we're trying to do offensively, um, like take the extra base, go first to third, a ball in the dirt read, um, a hit by pitch. So we keep a little dirt bag thing too that we keep up with. But yeah, those eight things. Um, you know, score seven is one of them. We score seven, we win. Um, when we, um, we, I think it's, uh, I think we try to get seven freebies and limit them to five. We, we try to give up, they only score five runs, less than 120 pitches. Um, you know, so we just kind of chart that. And then after the game, I'll look at it and I'll go fill it in. So we do, we have a, you know, a game, a game, a game goal, game charts. So it's the chart has everybody's name over here. And then across, you know, it's got the category here and we just write it in. So um, we do it after every game. We post quality at bat after every game, post stat, you know, updated accumulated stats. Um, things that get measured get managed, man. You know, so if you're going to measure it, if you're going to manage it, measure the heck out of it. I'm a big believer in that. For sure. That was the, like the eight categories. Uh, it's like the TCU. Well, that's exactly – we got it – I got it from Mo, 100%. Yeah. Moziello. Yeah. I've well, done Slosh something Nickel, like – huh? I don't know if Sloshnickel was alumni at Smithsburg where I was at. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's in the Hall of Fame there. Yep. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good dude, man. Yeah, great, great, great man. You know, so yeah, I've been fortunate to get to know Coach 
you know, we were yeah. tired. We retired his number and things like that. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we, we've, I worked camp for him and um, been there and yeah, I saw that he had, yeah. they had all their stuff up there. Yeah. I swear we got it. That, that came straight from Bill. Mozilla. Yep. He's the dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah I remember you said when he, I remember that culture talk, he talked about that in uh, Indianapolis at the ABCA. Yeah. He's breakout. great, man. He talked about, he's great. You talk about culture, then you ain't got it. You ain't got it. Yep. He's the best for sure. Incredible information from Chuck Box. I told you it would be a lot. I told you there would be all kinds of information. And it's just like when I was listening to him for the first time. He just is inc- incredible. Incredible coach who really develops better men and better ball players. He's extremely detail oriented. He would be. A great coach to reach out to. So please feel free to email him. He told me he loves emailing back. He loves responding to emails. He responded to every email that he can individually. So again, reach out to him at cbox, cbox at Hartfield, H A R T. F-I-E-L-D dot org. Cbox at Hartfield dot org. Or you can find him on Twitter at ChuckBox1969. C-H-U-C-K-B-O-X 1969. ChuckBox, I just can't thank you enough, man. Uh, you are just incredible. He's a dude. Um, and this was just an incredible interview. I learned, I, I learned even more. I think... And I'm hoping that everyone else finds some great value in it. So again, uh, please share our podcast. Please share it with as many people as you like. Find it on iTunes. Find it on Podbean. Find it on YouTube. Better men. Better ball players. Just thank you for turning into it. Thank you for sticking with us. Keep getting better. <laughs>